now we want to turn our attention, Saul, to the Canadian Fixed Income Conference here at Bloomberg World Headquarters. Jim Prentice joins us now. He is wearing many hats these days. He is the former Premier of Alberta. That's why we call him the Honorable Jim Prentice, industry advisor at the Energy Group at Warburg Pincus, and also um, he is a global fellow at the Wilson Senators Canada Institute in Washington. Jim, welcome. Nice to be with you, Kathleen. So we want to talk about oil and oil policy in Canada. As we step back and look at this conference, though, what is the big issue for investors in Canada, within Canada, Canadians themselves, and people who are looking to invest in Canada? Well, I think, I think the big issue um, over the longer term is making sure that Canadian energy resources are connected to global markets. And, um, you know, the development of Canada's energy resources has depended very heavily on foreign investment, uh, in particular investment from American energy companies. Um, the challenge that we face today is, is, as I said at the conference, above the ground. It's, it's not a question of the quality of the resource base. Whether you speak of oil or natural gas, uh, Canada's energy resources are amongst the largest and most competitive in the world. But we have become divorced from global markets, and that's beginning to affect um, capital flows. It's beginning to affect um, the desire of many of the, uh, the larger low-cost capital providers to stay in the Canadian basin. And we're seeing, even as commodity prices begin to right themselves, we're seeing uh, many of the largest energy companies starting to exit Canada uh, for the reason that you know we're not focused enough on competitiveness and we also don't have access to global markets. So if, we, if you had access to those global markets, what would give us an example of what would be different today about the Canadian energy sector? Well, the, Canada does not realize uh, global prices for its resources. Our oil and our natural gas are sold into the continental marketplace. Canada is at the end of the pipe. Um, the pipelines are often constricted in terms of their supply capacity. And so the result is something called the differential, which is uh, the differential is the lower price that Canada realizes for its resources when they're sold into the continental marketplace, just because that's how markets work. And so we need to access global markets. This is Taking Stock with Pim Fox and Kathleen Hayes on Bloomberg Radio. We are broadcasting live from Bloomberg World Headquarters. We are at the fourth annual Canadian Fixed Income Conference. It is sponsored by National Bank of Canada Financial Markets. Joining us is the Honorable Jim Prentice. He is industry advisor for the Energy Group at Warburg Pincus. He is the former Premier of Alberta and a former member of the Canadian Parliament. Jim Prentice, one of the things I want to get your thoughts about has to do with the relationship between the value of the Canadian dollar, which seemed to start at the fall around 2015, and it dropped about maybe 30%. At that time, many people thought that that would make Canadian investments much more appealing to American uh, or ex-Canada companies. And yet, Enbridge, um, TransCanada, they're the ones making the big deals. They're coming south. What happened? Did it, did that, what happened with that decline in the attractiveness of Canadian assets? Well, that's a, that's a great question, and it speaks to uh, exactly the issue. You know, you would think that Canadian assets would be competitive because of the pricing, uh, as you say, of the dollar. In fact, what's happened is that um, Canadian companies have been frustrated in their ability to develop pipelines um, for the reasons that we can discuss. And so to pursue growth, they've begun to look elsewhere. And they've looked south to the United States. They've redeployed their capital. Uh, both of our major Canadian pipeline companies have followed that strategy. 
deploying their capital into the United States through acquisition rather than through growth in Canada because, frankly, they've been unable to get approvals in Canada to build anything. So what is the problem with uh, pipeline approvals? Is it uh, mainly environmental groups uh, who don't want oil transported because they don't want more oil used? Are there some Native peoples who feel that this is treading on sacred ground and therefore saying, no, no, you can't do this? Well, there have been both both challenges. And, uh, you know, I don't suggest that these are easy issues. Uh, We have to find um, permanent uh, solutions that that will stand the test of time. But where we find ourselves today is that Canada is one of the world's largest oil producers with no access to global markets. Essentially, uh, we produce about 4.3 million barrels of oil a day, which would make us the world's fourth largest supplier. Um, 3.75 billion million of that goes per day goes to the United States. And we don't access global markets at all. We have no pipelines or ports that allow us to export Canadian oil. And so, um, you know, increasingly our industry has become disconnected from global markets with all the capital consequences uh, that would follow from that. Now, there are a couple of decisions that we may look to the Canadian government for related to access to these global markets. There's uh, pipelines for Kinder Morgan, there's the Northern Gateway Project, there's the Northwest Natural Gas Project, and then TransCanada's got that Energy East pipeline. Which of those, if any, do you believe that the Trudeau government will actually approve so that we can see some results on the ground? Well, it seems as though, from the Prime Minister's comments just an hour or so ago, actually, that uh, the government is headed towards an approval of, of the Kinder Morgan project, which is a good thing, and everyone should applaud that. It'll, it will help. But the Kinder Morgan pipeline exits into the port of Vancouver, and so that port's unable to con- basically handle the large tankers that are needed to go to the Asia-Pacific. I mean, certainly it'll tie us more, more strongly to global markets. It'll facilitate Canadian oil moving down the west coast of North America. But what Canada really needs to take advantage of its opportunity is to ship a million to two million barrels a day into the Asia-Pacific basin. That's where the market is. That's where the incremental demand is. I think most people don't realize that um, that so little of Canadian oil is exported directly to the rest of the world. I think many people understand that a lot of oil comes through from Canada through the United States. Oil is fungible, so it ends sure. up someplace, not all of it, in the U.S. Uh, in terms of what kind of policy changes would be needed, what are you pushing for? You've got a book coming out. You've written op-eds. What, what's the number one thing Canada should do? connect to global markets. If we don't connect to global markets... But what does that mean? Pipelines. It means what does pipelines that mean? to the West Coast. It means ports. It means that the government needs... Governments, plural, need to be focused on our competitiveness. And um, if we are going to uh, simply be a continental supplier realizing lower prices, uh, we're beginning to see the consequences of that, which is a lower level of activity, fewer jobs, fewer revenue streams, less government revenue, less private income. Um, And so we need to access global markets, and governments need to focus on that. You have done stints not only as the Premier of Alberta, but you've also been the uh, Industry Minister, Environment Minister, Minister of Indian Affairs, Northern Development in the the Stephen Harper's cabinet. So you've worn a lot of different hats. What would you like to accomplish, or who do you want to have the dialogue with directly, let's say, in the next 6 to 12 months that would advance this uh, entry of Canadian energy into the global markets. Is there a group or someone that you would like to say, all right, here's the plan, 
Here's what we're going to do. Well, cer- you know, certainly uh, industry is, is focused on this. Um, there's a new Canadian government. They're sensitive to these issues. They, in particular, have a, a sensitivity to uh, environmental issues and working with First Nations, um, both of which I, I, I think are key to the solution here. And so my hope is that the Canada's national government, working together with the provincial governments, will focus on that agenda, working together with uh, First Nations who are critical to the solution. And um, that's part of what the book that I've written over the course of this winter really deals with. Canada Energy and the Environment is the name of the book. It's uh, coming out after the first of the year. That's the working title. But, uh, okay. The hardest thing about writing a book is actually the, is finally to agree on the title with your publisher. <laughs> well, and, and titles are important. Well, Jim Prentice, we'll look forward to having you come again on Taking Stock when we can talk about that book. Wonderful to be here. Thank you. Yes, we continue to broadcast live today from the Canadian Fixed Income Conference here at Bloomberg World Headquarters. Just taking a check of the markets. Now, look at this. Pim Fox, Bear, said to propose improved Monsanto offer of $129 a share. This is big news on the terminal, on the Bloomberg. And this is Taking Stock, and this is Bloomberg.